You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello, and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And Whistle and I are so excited to have as our guest today, Bob Weatherwax, who, along with his father, Rudd, was the original owner and trainer of Lassie. So I know how excited everyone must be about that because we're all huge fans of Lassie. So please come right back after these quick messages from our sponsors as we welcome Bob Weatherwax to the show. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Buster. You're telling me my dog food products can't go on your shelves? That's right. Didn't pass one of my Petco certified nutrition checklists. Sorry, Wayne. Who made these checklists? Geniuses. Very smart guys. Well, it's good enough for most grocery stores. Do you see cheese puffs on my shelves? Mayonnaise? Soda pop? No. That's because I ain't running no grocery store, Wayne. Your pets will get better nutrition. I guarantee it. Petco. Where the healthy pets go. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash Petco and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of items at Petco. PetLifeRadio.com slash Petco. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Vacs are powerful bagless upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. To order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do. And get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, this is the place for a special paparazzi treat. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Whistle and I are thrilled to have as our guest today, Bob Weatherwax. Hello, Bob, and welcome. Hey, how you doing? It's good to, good to talk with you. Yeah, well, we're so thrilled that you could be with us today, and you have such a rich history. We have so many things to talk about. Well, uh, I'm here with my uh, my two dogs. One, one's a Karen Terrier called Throttle, and the other guy's my collie called Hammer. Oh, <laughs> well, Whistle sends a big hello to them. Okay. <laughs> so tell us, Bob, how did you get started in the movie business? Well, I was kind of raised into it, you might say. My father was back working in the silent movies, and his father before him worked in movies, too. And uh, so after getting out of the Army, um, 
I went to work for him as his uh, second assistant trainer on the Lassie Show TV series. Wow. And what did you do to prepare you to be a trainer? Well, as a child, my father, uh, you know, he also, besides Lassie, he trained many other dogs and supplied them to the studios and worked them in movies. And so we had like 40 dogs when I was a kid, and I kind of maintained those dogs. That's a big responsibility. Well, <laughs> 40 it was a lot dogs? Of work, a lot of work too. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of work. Wow, that, that really is. So you say that it was your father and your grandfather. How did your dad really get into that? What was their first dog that broke into the business? Well, my father had a little dog called Wiggles. They, they came from a working ranch in New Mexico, and uh, Silver City, New Mexico. And uh, he had a little dog. His father had a white collie called King that he taught to herd 450 uh, Angora goats. And then my <laughs> father picked up this little dog, Wiggles, and uh, trained on him. His father didn't want to keep him. He says, everything on the ranch must work. But he finally let my father have the little dog. And uh, he oh. trained that little dog. And then they moved from uh, New Mexico to oh, Hollywood. Uh, and uh, my father started doing stand-in work uh, at the studios. You know, you go down there, you know, a bunch of kids would wait outside. And if they needed extras or something, just walk-bys in the movies, they'd come out and pick kids. Well, my father thought it would be a nice idea if he took this little dog with him because it would give him a little foot up on everybody else because they got a kid and a dog. And it worked, and uh, he had a scene where he's supposed to be the uh, delivery paper boy, and he delivers the paper. And instead of uh, throwing the paper over, he gave it a little dog. He'd already talked to the little dog, went inside the house. And uh, they told my father, he said, we don't need you anymore, but we need the little dog for the interior shot. <laughs> so meanwhile, <laughs> there was a man named Henry, who was a prop man, and he uh, saw my father's abilities, so he hired him and for... Him, he trained Asta and did the Thin Man series with Myrna Lloyd and William Powell. Yes, then, yes. Yeah, that he, he did those. Then he went on to do um, Daisy with Penny Sinclair and Arthur Lake, the Daisy Dogs in the Blondie series. And then he went and uh, hung his own shingles, started training dogs and putting them in pictures himself. That's amazing. That's amazing to turn a career in like that, especially during that time when it was so new and innovative. Oh, yes. He had a huge body of work. He did some of our gang comedies. He did Honda, with, and I did Big Jake with John Wayne. We, uh, he had a big body of work. Yeah. Oh, Big Jake with John Wayne. I love that movie, and I love that dog in that movie. That, it was a black dog? Well, actually, he was calling. I tipped and sprayed him. Tips and sprayed him. <laughs> I wondered. I wondered, because he looked like a collie, but I'd never seen a collie that color. Well, when Dad did uh, Hondo, he, was, uh, he also used a collie, too. And he did the same thing. He had kind of dyed him up, but that tips and spray comes off. So I remember I had to do the river, the river scene where he came in. He went in real dark, and he kind of came out a lot lighter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful! I think I heard that you you have forty two years of experience making television and movies. Yes, matter of fact, I did uh, three hundred and some episodes with my father's sister on the Lassie Show. Then I assisted on the Magical Lassie and into another uh, pilot, which would, it did work. But, um, yeah, I, I worked with him for a long time, and then I, I worked for another fellow after Lassie show ended, and then I decided to go on business for myself. So then I did the same with my father. I trained and furnished dogs and worked them in the motion pictures, many shows, different shows. That's wonderful. Well, I have to tell you, Lassie had such a huge impact on me as a little girl. Lassie was my first love. And I just, oh, every Sunday night, sitting there watching her and having to get up there. And when the show would go off and the credits would run and Lassie would hold her little paw up, 
I'd yeah, love to go. Yeah, my brother taught that. He taught yes. that. He wanted Lassie oh. to be a little different than any other dog, so he decided to make that as kind of his signature pose. Oh. Yeah. Well, it was wonderful. I mean, as a little child, I just couldn't get enough of it. Lassie was, probably Lassie is one of the reasons why I was so interested in getting my own assistance dog and felt so comfortable with that because of, of thinking about Lassie and the wonderful memories that Lassie gave to so many people. But especially personally for me, I am a huge Lassie fan. Well, that's great. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> They'd say, uh, well, geez, Bob, we grew up with Lassie. And I'd say, yes, so did I, literally. Yes. <laughs> Only you had to do all the work around Lassie. I just got to sit there and oogle her on on TV and see Lassie and, and want to touch and play with Lassie. But you had to do the work. Yes, yes. Well, you know, my father used me as his little training boy. You know, the dog would pick up the little boy by the arm and bring him to him. I was that little boy. If the dog had to kiss, uh, he'd teach him to kiss on me. And he'd, I always had baby food in my face because <laughs> later on, when they learned a trick, you don't need the baby food anymore. But I was always had this baby food all over me and... Uh, and uh, a lot of other stuff. I was his, uh, I was his little training tool with a dog. Wow, you were very tolerant. <laughs> that's that's nice for a young man to be that cooperative. That's really awesome. Well, we're talking five and six. What choice do you have? <laughs> Still, that's that's pretty that's pretty good. <laughs> so, how did your dad actually find the first collie that became Lassie? It was in lieu of a training bill. Um, somebody, uh, another trainer. Uh, acquired this dog to stop him from chasing motorcycles. The owner said he couldn't stand it. The dog always ran up and down chasing motorcycles in his yard. So he gave him to a guy named Howard Pack. And Howard said he couldn't break him, but he was a friend of my father. So he came to my father and says, can you break this dog of chasing motorcycles? And uh, my father, he couldn't break him either. So he uh, he said, well, I couldn't break him either. And the guy came to pick up the dog. He says, here's the thing. He says, just keep him in lieu of the $10 that we owe you for boarding because the owner said it's more peaceful around his house without this collie. So dad <laughs> virtually got the dog for $10. That's amazing. And when did your dad realize that the dog had talent? Well, he really didn't. Uh, he had the dog, and, and MGM called one day, and they were making a movie called Lassie Come Home, and they had acquired their own collies from collie breeders. But uh, this production manager knew my father very well. He knew of his, his ability to do good work, and he called and says, look, could you you have a collie? Dad says, yeah, I have a collie. He says, well, just train him to do this river crossing. He says, because we know this other dog won't do it because we're having trouble with the other dog, period, and, and we're not satisfied with the way it works. So uh, Dad went and taught him to do the river thing, and he uh, swam across the river and happened to come out in front of a Technicolor camera. There were only three of them in those days. And uh, it was supposed to be a black-and-white movie, but the river carried pals downstream, and Dad just kept working with him. He came out by this color camera that they were testing, and... Uh, he worked him and brought him up and continued the scene and had him struggle on the shore and all that. And the director, Freddie Wilcox, says, well, he says, pal swam in and Lassie swam out. We're going to reshoot the movie. And then when Louis B. Mayer saw how good it looked in color, he switched it to, uh, to the color camera. That's and, incredible. Uh, and then Dad actually trained. Fortunately, in those days, it took a, quite a while to make movies. They do them much quicker today. But he actually trained per night for the next day's shot. So when he finished, when he went in, he had a fairly trained dog. When he came out, he had a very excellent trained dog. That is magnificent. Wow. Well, and how did he really train? Like, how did he train that dog to go across the river? Oh, well, he'd worked that out before. He didn't have a river to train it. He probably did it. And we had a place called Hanson Dam. It was uh, a lake bias, and they didn't care in those days you could go do that stuff. 
And uh, so Dad would go there, and he trained him. Once you train him, it's the same thing with my movie, uh, Lassie. Um, I trained him in a little lake area. But once you do that, they'll come into the river. It doesn't matter. Water's water. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. It just seems like that would be hard. But I guess once the dog is comfortable, then it's easy for them. Come to you in command. And you have to teach them to swim, too. They just don't do that automatically. So you teach them to swim. And... uh, you teach them to come to you, and, and, you know, you have control of them when they're swimming, so they're just not swimming anywhere. And once you do that, you can work at most any place. So how many Lassie movies did you and your dad do? I did uh, one Lassie movie. My father did seven of the MGM. Then I assisted him in The Magical Lassie, which was... That's, and then another... It was a movie, but made for TV. So I've done about three, two as his assistant, one by myself, and then, of course... Uh, I assist him on the TV show for 10 years. But Dad had seven at MGM. Lassie was the fourth highest grocer at MGM in the 40s, and believe me, Louis B. Mayer had more stars, like he used to brag. I have more stars working at MGM than there are in the sky. And he did. And But Lassie ended up being the fourth highest grocer. So Lassie was one of the brightest stars that he had. That's awesome. It, it, it grossed him $268 million during the 40s, and that's quite a bit of money at any, any time. But then it yes, it is. Outrageous. Yes, that's incredible. Wow. Well, I know I've had a feeling that there were a lot of Lassies, but I wasn't sure exactly how many that were actually done. How many dogs did you actually have serving as Lassie? Well, we only used one dog at a time. We would have like a, usually it was uh, was an upcoming dog that we were, we were grooming to be Lassie. We'd take them on the set and use them for stand-in work, like an actor who somebody goes and stands in while they're lighting. And then maybe we'd break them in easy. Lassie would be doing all the work. But if they had a long run through or something like that, just like an actor, actors, John Wayne never did his long rides. He had a double. He went home. <laughs> and the same thing with the dog. We'd run the uh, apprentice dog over the hill. And uh, that would break him in and let him do fun stuff. One dog that basically did all of the work. Well, what would you say is your fondest memory of all your work in old Hollywood? Oh, you know, that's there's so much of it. I really can't put a finger on that one right now. <laughs> Anything I had a dog that called OJ that I loved, and I was very fond of him. He was my father always told me. He says, you know, you'll train a lot of dogs, and you'll train them all to a good talent level. But he says you'll have that greatest dog you ever trained. And his, he said, was a dog called Wiggles, and mine was a dog called OJ, and he was just terrific. And what kind of dog was OJ? I got him out of the uh, out of the animal shelter. He was. Uh, it said on the on the slip that he's half collie, half sheepdog. He looked to be that. There might have been something else in there too. Aww. But he's a big dog like a sheepdog with long hair, great great disposition, great looks, and he was kind of wheat in color. And I did a lot of movies with him. He starred in so many TV shows. I mean, this dog had a body of work that was tremendous. That's wonderful. Well, that certainly sounds like a fond memory. That sounds really nice. How long did you have OJ? Oh, I had him till uh, well, he lived to be about thirteen. Big dogs oh. don't live quite as long as the little guys, but... but uh, well, he, he that's a nice life. long life for a working dog. Yes, well, I never worked him that. I'd retired in probably two years before he passed, because I only worked him to a certain point. Yeah, yeah. So how do you make a decision to retire an acting dog? Well, you can see that he's starting to lose his physical abilities. And, uh, you know, and the older dogs, they get a little weak in the hind end, and... Uh, like, you know, older people do, too. Some of them have to have walkers, some of them have to have wheelchairs. And when you see a dog's having trouble doing his physical situations, then you have to retire him because, you know, if you, they don't build parts around dogs that they always have to be physical. 
Yeah, yeah. I know retirement is nothing that I ever look forward to for myself or for my assistance dogs, that's for sure. No, well, you know, it depends what you use them for. And if it's something easier, you can keep them going a lot longer. But, you know, in movies, they have to be physical. Yes, I can imagine. That's very physically demanding. Well, we are going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. And we hope you'll come right back as we continue talking to Bob. And Bob is going to talk with us about some other projects that he's working on. So you'll want to come right back after these quick messages. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Every pet is unique. Maybe they're gray in the muzzle, yet young at heart. Maybe they're growing out of the puppy stage and into their paws and ears. Or maybe they're just trying to maintain a more girlish figure. At PetSmart, we have the right food for your pet at a great value for you. PetSmart. Be better together. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart and save up to 30% on toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart today. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash work, W-O-R-K, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're visiting today with Bob Weatherwax. And he's been sharing all kinds of wonderful memories and stories with us about all of his lengthy body of work in Hollywood. But you also, Bob, have a lot of other things going on that you're working on these days. And one of those is you're working on a memoir? Yes, I'm, I'm writing a book about my life with Lassies, growing up with the Lassies. And also a lot about my father and and how he started and where he came from. And uh, and it'll cover everything along with uh, great, great stories in movies of people I worked with and the people he worked with and the things that happened, along with some training tips, too. But, I mean, it's like one of the stories is one of my favorite. Uh, there was a show back in the old days called The Jimmy Dean Show, The Man, The Sausage Man. Yes, I remember that show, yes. And uh, so he wanted glasses at the height of his fame in the 60s, and he wanted glasses to appear on the show. And... Uh, we went there. I, I accompanied my father as his assistant. We went there, and I remember uh, this little girl looked at me. She says, can I pet the dog? She says, sir, she called me. I think it was 22. I looked around to see what she was talking to. That little girl was Patty Duke, and she was on the show, Tex Ritter. And anyway, 
I held the dog while my father said, I want to go talk to Jimmy Dean because Jimmy wanted to talk to him. And Jimmy didn't know how to use the dog. He said, we, I want him on the show, but I really haven't figured out how we're going to incorporate him into the show. And there was this boon man. He, he works the boon, as you know, and holds the boon over so you hear all the sound and all the everything that's been spoken. And he said, I have this little uh, Muppet thing. He said, it's, uh, it's a little dog. And he said, little Muppet can interact. So uh, that was a good idea. So we did that. Lassie came up and the Muppet talked to him. Lassie barked back. And it went over really well. And uh, then they brought us back to do it again. And that man with that Muppet, it was called Rolf. And that was Jim Henson. Oh, my goodness. I've always felt that we were kind of instrumental in getting his career rocking. So that was kind of cool. Well, that is cool. It seems like you've had so many experiences like that where you've encountered and touched so many people. That's wonderful. Yeah, I saw these people. They only see them after their successes, and they think overnight success. I saw a lot of people trying to... I saw Dolly Parton sing on a flatbed truck in uh, <laughs> Indiana with the June bugs flying in out of her mouth. She was uh, performing with Porter Wagner at that time. And oh, they didn't yes. give her the stage. We had the main stage during the day. We were the feature act during the day on the stage and then it was Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs at night but she was just entertainment for people in line <laughs> isn't that something and now look at her today yes yes well you know and Jim had had this Muppets will go on forever yes they will yes yes they are endeared to all of us yeah that's so true Gosh, well, you just have so many stories. I can't imagine just one memoir. You're going to need multiple oh, no, books. So many stories of people I worked with, and and it's really great. I've had great memories and all these people, and I have many, many stories like that for you know 42 years of making movies, along with some of my father's stories. Yeah, I bet. I can only imagine. Well, I know that you created a YouTube video. Can you describe that for us? Yes, that's about something that we involved ourselves in back in the 60s and stuff. My father had a thing where we used to tour with Lassie and we would perform 20 minutes of his greatest feats. We'd do it on stage and uh, we performed it at fairs, uh, private venues, whatever. And uh, we used to do dog shows too. In those days they didn't draw real well. So Lassie would come in and perform there to bring people in. But anyway, wherever we went, my father always wanted to... Uh, he wanted to do a hospital. It was something uh, he was just had to do because, you know, he came from nothing and he felt he had to pay back. So we'd have that put into our contract. And uh, we'd take Lassie around and dog therapy, you know, and take him to hospitals and stuff. And It was tough. It wasn't the most uh, pleasant thing in the world, but the kids really loved it. And I mean, we went to one hospital. I'll never forget it. And uh, the woman says, well, before you show Lassie to the rest of the patients in here, the other children... We want to take you up here because we have a boy that's dying of leukemia. We don't know how much longer he's going to make it. And he went, and I remember it was Hey Hey. The dogs know it. He put his feet up. He was a very active dog, but he put his feet up like he's on eggs. And uh, before we left, she told us he'd passed. But he's got to see the dog. And it wasn't easy for my father. He says, Why do you do this? He says, Because I'm a fortunate man. He says, I have to pay back. So, yeah, that's his beautiful. Church, you might say. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I mean, that's, that's really what life is all about, right? That we are yes. all supposed to do that. Yes. Yeah. Then, then I later on, when I had OJ, that great dog, I spoke of. Uh, I did a movie uh, called Skeezer, Dog with a Mission, and it was about a lady in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and she was one of the first to ever introduce dogs into dog therapy into a hospital with children that had had bad home lives. They were they had disturbed problems. Some of them were bedwetters. Some of them, one boy hadn't spoken. He was six years of age, and the dog got him to speak and cured the other. You know and 
So I, I've been very familiar with that, and I would like to continue maybe starting something where I could teach people and uh, what type of dog, mainly the disposition you need on the dog. Certain dogs are a little too hyper for it. And, uh, you know, how to get the dog used to the things you're going to encounter, such as crutches, such as wheelchairs. You know, you can't take that stuff for granted. Yeah, absolutely. What are your thoughts about that? Are you thinking about a teaching center? That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. And uh, But, you know, I'd also like to, before that, I'd like to expand on that little eight-minute short I made because that's what it's about. And I also incorporated with Temple Grandin, who's, uh, I think she's a professor at Colorado in animal husbandry. So, you know, she does the autistic side of it. And those people, too, I've, I've taken lastly around autistic people, people with Alzheimer's. They might not even know who he was, but it didn't matter. They enjoyed it. Oh, yes. Yes. I actually try to take Whistle myself, but I always try to take my retired dogs whenever there's an overlap and let my retired dogs go to the hospitals and nursing facilities because, like you said, it just has such an impact and the dogs are just so incredible. They know and they say so many things without saying a word. It's just so beautiful. They do. I was worried about, hey, hey, he's one of our most hyper colleagues. I mean, he was wonderful to work because he never tired. But I thought, boy, I don't know if he's good to being in this hospital, but he knew it immediately. He just mm. changed his whole mood. Yeah. Well, what are your plans for lengthening the documentary? Well, I'd hope that maybe somebody would be interested in producing the rest of it. And maybe, uh, you know, Animal Planet could have it or whoever would care to have something like that and just go into more of what it is and expanding maybe to an hour or an hour and a half over the eight minutes. The eight minutes is just kind of a, a tease to see if we can get interest. Well, the eight minutes is wonderful. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I thought it was really great. And I love the music that was on it as well. Yes, that lady uh, did that, uh, wrote it for us. She came through my producer, Terry Thistlewake, to found her. And uh, she just wrote that up. It is good. She did it. Yeah, it was lovely. Yeah, it was really nice. So I know we'll definitely put the address on the website address on our website so that our listeners can check that out on YouTube because I think everyone will just love it. That would be great. That would be Yeah. Great. And I also yeah. want to try to do seminars to talk to people where they can ask me about dog problems, how to train, hints on how to train a dog because there's certain procedures that are just basic things you do. It's not so much showing them every trick. But it's making them understand a dog's learning capacity and what, how they pick things up and the right and wrong ways of doing things. So I'd like to do that, too. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Do you have any speaking engagements right now? or you're just yeah. We're going to work on that. It's just something that came to mind because I have so many people call and ask questions and stuff. And, and I usually uh, give them the answers and they'll call back so that works. And I just, you know, I've never thought about this stuff before anyway. <laughs> it's just <laughs> things, you know. Anyway, so I'd like to do that and uh, help them as much as possible and show them uh, when they have problems how to correct it. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Yeah, there's such a need for more assistance dogs out there. You know, there's so many people with disabilities, and boy, I tell you, having a dog changed my life. I just want other people to experience that, too, if they're interested in that, because it is such a wonderful gift, an amazing gift. Whether it be for them to take them as a therapy dog or just some people... Most of the questions I get on my on my sites are people who just have their own dog and for their own personal reasons and either have a problem they can't solve or they'd like to know how to further his education a little bit. So mm-hmm. I hope that. And how do people reach you? You said you have your own site. Do you want to share that with our listeners? Yes, it's called uh, Weatherwax Trained Dogs. 
and I have like that site, and then I have my Facebook too, and so I have two sites you can reach. Okay, awesome. And what is it on Facebook? You know, I don't know if it's on the same name or not. I actually don't run it. I have a, a lady in California that runs it for me. You might say I'm computer illiterate. <laughs> I, I can work my TV, and uh, I just have never gotten into the computer, so she does all my stuff for me. Oh, that's great that you have somebody. That's perfect. You're so busy. I don't know when you'd have time to do that anyway. Well, I'm really not that busy. I'm just, uh, mainly what I'm doing right now is trying to put this book together. So that's the thing I'm doing now. And do you have any idea of when the book may be coming out? I don't know. We have to finish it and then take it to a publisher. And we still have about two or three chapters to do. And uh, once we get that completed, then I'll put it out there and see if uh, there's interest in it. I wanted to, you mentioned Temple Grandin, and I know she was in the, the YouTube video that you did. How did you connect with Temple? It's amazing. People will take my call. I really enjoyed her movie, and I enjoyed, you know, what she's done. And uh, so I just decided to uh, get to, my girl runs my site to uh, send her an email, and she responded immediately. I love that. I love it. It's amazing when, when you ask for something, you, you might really get it. <laughs> but you, I was going to say, yeah, how could somebody not respond to Lassie's trainer? There's no way. Yeah, it's just, yeah, the dog, uh, that dog has done a lot of things for the weather waxes. <laughs> I mean, I've been on the White House lawn with Lady Bird. This dog has taken me places that I could never go myself. You know, they would never let me in. But uh, I coat tail the dog, you might say. <laughs> That's how I feel every day with my assistant's dog, absolutely, because people just can't resist, especially those gorgeous collies with Lassie's coat and everything was just so beautiful. How could you resist? Well, you know, all the first ladies have a theme of what they want to do when their their husband's in office, and hers was Keep America Clean, and Lassie was actually the first on his shows before it became fashionable. Ecology, I mean, he's always helped clean up the park with the ranger and Putting the paint, picking up the things, putting them in the can, and, and so she decided uh, her situation was keep America clean, clean America up. So she made him her campaign. Uh-huh. And then we went there, we met with her, and did some photos and so on and so forth. And so that's what he did there. How fun! What other places come to mind that Lassie got you in that you didn't think you would have gotten in otherwise? Well, staying at the Plaza Hotel, staying at some of the best <laughs> hotels in New York. Uh, I mean, you know, <laughs> they just welcomed them on in and, uh, and, and and just different places. I mean, Cape Kennedy, we shot there. Places where most people can't even go. This dog was allowed to, because we'd be shooting movies, and they always approved, oh, yeah, Lassie can come here and shoot. I mean, we're in the war room in Cape Kennedy, I mean, or Lompoc, and I don't even think you're supposed to be in there, and, you know, without a top-secret clearance, but there yeah. we are. show. <laughs> Looking Glass 1, which is the plane that goes up with the president, that has actually, uh, without well, anyone discuss what it can do, but a lot of stuff that we just got special permission to do. That's remarkable. What an amazing career and adventure you've been on. Yes, I tell you, it's been great. I mean, especially when we did the Ranger format, we traveled all over the United States. We went to Williamsburg. We went to Merrimack Cabins where Jesse James used to hang out. I mean, we got to see all the... The Ranger format was good because it took us off the farm and allowed us to go and go to all these great places of, of history and interest. Oh, wow. Well, it sounds like you have just been everywhere and done just about everything. Yeah, there's a song like that. I've been everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to think of that song because, you know, I have. 
Well, we are so happy that you came by to visit with us today, and we love hearing all your stories and all the other things that you're working on, and we can't wait to get a copy of your memoir. So you'll have to come back and visit with us again when that's available. For sure. For sure. I love that. Yeah, that would be great. Well, tell us again, Bob, your website for our listeners just to make sure that they got that. I hope I'm right on it because I don't work it. It's Weatherwax Trained Dogs, and I'm not sure of the .com, but I guess it's .com, weatherwaxtrainedogs.com. Yeah, and then if not, people can Google you. It will refer you to my Facebook. It will probably refer you. One will refer you to the other. Okay, awesome. Well, we will definitely be checking that out. And as I said, we will post the YouTube address for the video for the eight-minute version. And we certainly hope that you get to expand that into a longer documentary. That would be awesome. Yes, I'd like to do that. Let's see what Hammer wants. Hammer, where are you? Hammer. All right. (laughs) Hammer saying hello to your dog. All right. I woke him up. He was asleep. It took a minute to get his his act together. That's wonderful. Well, give Hammer a big hug and kiss for us. Okay, you have a good day then. Thank you so much. You too. Okay, thank you. And I'll talk to you maybe at a later date. Okay, I look forward to it. So we're out of time today. We could sit and talk to Bob forever, but unfortunately we're out of time. And we'd like to thank Bob for being with us and sharing all of his wonderful, magical stories. And we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for being with us. And, of course, our producers for making Working Like Dogs possible. So please keep those emails coming. Whistle and I love to get your emails. And you can reach us at Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And you can read our blog at WorkingLikeDogs.com. So thanks so much. And we look forward to being with you again soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.